Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by two awesome co-hosts this week. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week, we are talking about the hotly anticipated new release from Simogo, Sayonara, Wild Hearts. Before we get too far into it, let's talk Patreon. Listeners, did you know that this show is supported by listeners like you on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash the short game. And the biggest perk of being a short game patron is that you get to join our community on Discord. Uh, The short game has a active Discord where we chat about the games that we are doing for the show as we're playing them and also afterwards. So if you've listened to the episode, have something to say, you can join us and talk to us directly about it and talk to other engaged listeners about it. Uh, That's the most fun part of the Patreon, but the biggest part is, of course, that you get to support this show. Uh, We are trying to expand the type of coverage that we do, the types of games that we cover, uh, and your support makes a huge difference to us. This is a small show. Every listener counts, and we really appreciate your support. And if you want to know what we are talking about in the Discord, this week we had a huge fight over regional pizza styles, and we also discussed our mental breakdowns over the sheer number of new games released this week. Oh god, this week was... Oh man, yeah. Mental breakdown is pretty much a good way of putting it. How many is too many? Yeah, too many is a hundred. A hundred interesting games that we haven't had a chance to cover yet. So, the biggest one, the one that was easily the most hotly anticipated for me personally was Sayonara Wild Hearts. First of all, if you haven't seen the trailer, this game is a, uh, well, I don't know how to describe it, but I will say just off the top that as that I am personally a huge fan of the uh, artist Carly Rae Jepsen, which I think is a major influence here on the music style and of the sort of um, this sort of uh, outrun aesthetic, the uh, the sort of 80s inflected uh, night drive day glow vibe. And this game checks all of the boxes, and it's also from Simogo, one of my favorite developers ever. Um, so before we dive in, maybe we should just talk a little bit about who Simogo is and why this is so exciting to see from these developers. Yeah, Simogo, we've covered quite a few of their games um, on this. Uh, they are, where are they from? Somewhere Sweden. Sweden. Ah, they're just lovely Swedes. And um, yeah, we've covered several of their games, so... Uh, the first one I remember playing is Device 6, which is kind of a mobile interactive fiction uh, spy thriller uh, where you did a lot of unique touchscreen interactions with the text content that you were kind of playing through. And yeah, it was a really, really interesting it was a really early that. game that sort of like recontextualized like what a mobile game is, like kind of right. tried to, it, it, in a sense, it sort of broke the third wall trying to remind you that you're holding a device that has different different functions that, uh, you know, you can engage with the game in, in, a, in a very physical, tactile way because it was trying to sort of remind you at all turns that you're holding a device and that device can do things. And they had a second game that was really 
um, kind of felt like a follow-up to that. I'm trying to remember the name of that one. The Sailor's Dream. The Sailor's Dream? Yeah, okay. So those two kind of felt like they were of a piece. Uh, really the same kind of interactions happening there. Ba- basically, that was that was them trying to present a puzzly IF through the lens of something that, you know, could only be done on a mobile device. Uh, and And then... They've also done games like Beat Sneak Bandit, which yeah, that's a bit earlier actually. Takes, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so that one I, when that was that was for what uh, a Nintendo console, one of the Nintendo handhelds, right? Nope, that was for uh, iPhone. They've iPhone. been See, iPhone all through their lives. They are Apple people. They are. So the the most recent of their games that I've played um, is one that really drew from folklore and and had sort of this really different creepy tone and that was year walk episode um, 22 yeah way back yeah. one of our earliest episodes I, I i hadn't thought about year walk in a while and then i was like oh man wait that game ruled <laughs> like i want to go back and play that again so bad it's not the season it is too hot for year walk i always save it for the winter and mm, i think i first tried to play it in like 95 degree heat and just wasn't feeling any of the Scandinavian chills. Mm. But I think Gear Walk is a very different game than this one, <laughs> although it is also a mood piece. Really brilliant game, though. Like Gear Walk is just a like a, a perfect, um, like creepy uh, ghost story of a game that is just I mean, just it's extremely good. And I don't want to say anything more about it. We did a whole episode about it, if you're curious. And like Laura said, it's way back episode 22. So you might have to dig back through our website. It may not even still be available on the podcast feed uh, for technical reasons that are kind of too boring to explain. But um, if you uh, if you haven't played Year Walk, I cannot recommend it enough. And it's available on a bunch of different platforms. I think it got ported to PS4 at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Smogo, I'm actually a completionist. I've played all of their games. Um, they've got a couple of smaller ones. And I think that they've been known for a long time as a mobile uh, purist studio. They've kind of made these app experiences that they then they ported later, but they always came out first on mobile. So it was a huge deal when Sayonara Wild Hearts was announced to first be a Switch game. Yeah. <laughs> that was the big thing. Um, and we learned the reason they were quiet is because they were part of Apple Arcade, so they couldn't say they were part of iOS. I got really nervous that they had abandoned mobile forever. That is not the case. Smogo is still available cross-platform, and uh, this one, Sign Our Wild Hearts, if you're curious, is on Switch, Apple Arcade, and PlayStation 4. Yeah, and we're not going to talk a whole lot about Apple Arcade today. Um, we may do a whole episode about that, rounding things up later, or maybe not. We'll see. But none of us played this game on Apple Arcade for this session. I think we all played it on Nintendo Switch. There's definitely, if you have uh, an iPhone, and that's a good gaming platform for you, um, and you're already thinking about Apple Arcade, I would say probably this is the biggest draw for me personally for Apple Arcade. This game was the thing that made me think, wow, I can't believe that's coming out on Apple Arcade. And I almost upgraded my device to iOS 13, but I've decided to wait a little bit longer because iOS 13 seems like a little bit of a buggy mess. But um, this is available. If you haven't done that yet, or you're not interested in signing up for another subscription service, this is available on the Nintendo Switch. I think that's what all of us played it on. Yeah, I was incredibly impatient to play this game, and I knew it wasn't going to be available on Mac or anything I could easily project from uh, until October 
when Catalina releases. So for me, it was like, okay, cool. I'm buying it on the Switch. I want to play on the biggest screen with the best sound I can. Uh, and that was incredibly worth it because this is a rad pop album video game. Yeah, let's talk about what that actually means. Yeah, so pop album video game is kind of a made up idea. Um, it's in their marketing material, right? But it, it is, I, I can see what they're going for from this from this terminology. Like this is a really soundtrack forward game. Uh, the soundtrack, which is by uh, Daniel Olsen. Uh, I hope I'm accenting that properly. I think it's Olsen. Olsen. Oh, thank you. Um, who have done previous Samogo soundtracks. Um, but one of the things, it's kind of rare in video game soundtracks to have a really um, prominent uh, vocal track. Uh, and this one definitely uh, not only puts the soundtrack forward, but puts, uh, you know, vocals front and center. Uh, they have vocalist uh, Linnea Olsen, um, who is a, uh, according to our research, uh, a Swedish singer, songwriter, and cellist. The the soundtrack has that kind of pop vibe that's really vibrant and has that uh, danceable uh, electronic beat. Calling this a pop album video game, it really feels like you have something that has the uh, the feel and the scope of a pop album, and it really including in that the length of a pop album um, in the form of a video game. So playing through this really does feel like sitting down to listen to a new cool pop album for the first time. Yeah, it was funny, like, Reading a lot of games media, um, no offense, guys, but there are a lot of dudes writing it, and they always compare it to things like Tetris Effect and other rhythm games. And to me, I was like, where's my comparison to Lemonade and Homecoming? Like, yeah. this feels like uh, if Beyonce was making a video game about her stuff, I feel like, you know, it, it feels that kind of like extra layer where someone took a pop album that is complete in and of itself and uh, thought, what if we added something on top of it. Yeah, for me, this was like 100%. This is Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion, the video game. Someone finally gave Carly Rae Jepsen a sword, but they also gave her a motorcycle and she can fly, and that is this game. never played something before that really did have this sort of like album feel like part of that is the length it is a very short experience it had Shane you're, you're right it has basically the length of a pop album you can sit down and play this game entirely front to back in one sitting but like a good album it really benefits from multiple playthroughs not necessarily because there's like mysteries to explore or different paths to take or anything like that it's just a great experience that's fun to go through multiple times in a way that like an album can be. That's exactly the same reason that arcade games and the stuff that this brought in from the arcade genre is great. Because 
in a great arcade game, like, you know, I'll just take Galaga as an example. You're presented with a series of levels and those levels are going to be the same every time you play them. And generally you're going to be starting from the first level and the length is going to be pretty similar to uh, of a level is going to be pretty similar to a pop song. And so you, you really do kind of line. It does kind of line up um, in form. Well, you know, uh, this plays like a lot of um, arcade games that I would maybe even compare it to like uh, a sh- what what's the best arcade game to compare this to? Right, you're a little bit more well versed in arcade games than I am, but I would I would almost compare it to something like a Metal Slug because you're like you're like let's charge through this level and like grab all the doodad, grab all the glowing hearts. For me, for me, it's absolutely Outrun because Outrun is a it's a driving game more than a racing game, right? You're not racing other people. It's about the enjoying the the wind in your hair experience of driving yes. a car real fast. You get to choose your soundtrack in that game and music is very important to the game Outrun. And so it's about it's about driving fast, feeling cool, listening to good music and putting in quarters every x number of minutes basically, right? But that that's right. uh that's what Outrun is. And I mean, Outrun was one of the things they listed as one of the influences on this game and it's I think it's the number like it one influence on the list that I saw. There is it, a it, Oh so, yeah, absolutely. And there is a there is a level in this game that is basically Outrun. Um oh, yeah. plus drifting, uh, which is good. But like the whole game, I had sort of that same feel of like I want to listen to a really good piece of music, go really fast and see you know, cool visuals the whole time and interact with it sometimes more, sometimes less. It's a, it's a game that like, it's very kind to the player. It's not really requiring a huge amount of you, um, you know, but you're, uh, you're constantly engaged with it interactively while also getting this really great sort of presentational, beautiful visual experience. And also of course, yes. music. It's an album length music video uh, that lets you, the the viewer slash participant have that arcade experience of just like constantly having a score in the upper left hand corner of your screen and you're you're you know grabbing those dots and those numbers are going up and and that feels good and also rocking the fuck out feels good yes yes and I will save some of my it's interesting because the things that are slightly different like this is not quite Carly Rae because Carly Rae is much more about like word painting and really clear voice and this is much more of a mood and it is really uh, accessible and very friendly to the player but it also doesn't exactly feel like a rhythm game because of it and there's all these kind of little things that if you're looking for a pure rhythm game please keep listening because there's a lot of little changes they've made but I will say that when this is going at the perfect blend of pop song and a lot of stuff happening and just like almost too much happening, it can feel really great. When this game was cooking, it was like, you know, game of the year. When it was a little off to me, I was like still having a really good time listening to pop music, but the game didn't quite click. So to me, it's kind of like I always felt really good because the music is so good and I am so in tune with the music, but it was much more of a vibe sometimes than I wanted it to be like a religious experience. And some people have called it a religious experience. And they've also called Tetris Effect that one, but maybe Tetris Effect because I was more engaged, felt a little bit of a stronger connection. 
That said, I'm still going to replay this game a ton. It's funny to think this game is rad and like really admire it. And it's so confident. But like also this game is absolutely oozing with confidence. Every image here, it just feels so uh, carefully constructed and perfectly placed. Like you don't you don't like see a character throw a fireball. Uh, They dance a fireball into existence and it flies towards you while you dance your way out of the way. It's so extra and I really like it. get off of the subject of that the actual pop soundtrack of this because i think it's the most important piece of this Agreed. as an entire work reagan and we're i'm sure you'll already be hearing some of the music here uh reagan that's your cue uh edit this music in but the the style of pop here is not what i would see as like the carly ray jepson more rock influenced pop more american style this is definitely European electronic influenced pop that has the kind of um, sound to me of like a EDM or uh, synth music, like that that kind of style. So, to me, I was trying to describe it as if the um, the band Churches. I don't know if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, but they have a really uh, strong, clear female vocalist. But if it was replaced with like the woman from Arcade Fire, it's that more diffuse, like. <sighs> quality to mm. the sounds. Sorry yes, if you little, have ASMR a little, a little and I just breathy. freaked you out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, Shane, in the, in a way, although I think Dreamy. EDM isn't necessarily the best comparison because, like, this, this is... EDM is more about, like, endlessly repeating and syncopated rhythms with variation that build on each other. Um, you know, there's no drops in this exactly. It's not like that. Well, this is definitely something you can dance to. Right. Yeah, I think it's just less lyric forward. And yeah, I think right. I'm also a Carly Rae stan and I got to like, she's one of the best word painters in the business. Um, this one's less lyric forward. What do so, you mean by word painter? It's got a lot of the quality of that. What do you mean by word painting? Um, yeah. I mean when a song and lyrics match up uh, so that the production values of the song are illustrating the meaning of the words. Um, for example, uh, Taylor Swift does a lot where she like drops like an octave when she's feeling sad. It's like like where the music is being backed up by the lyrics. This lyrics aren't as important and it's much more vibey. So like, I love the phrase wild hearts never die, but it's not as if the tune is going to be backing that up. No, um, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I agree that it's not very like lyrics forward. The lyrics to this, to the music here, and we're we're running into my uh, limitations as a uh, you know talker on podcasts here because boy, I don't do a music podcast. I am uh, I'm a music fan, but I'm not a music critic, and so I don't have the 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 vocabulary really. Um, I definitely agree with both of you, but I, I I think it does still feel like modern and calling a. I was about to say modern American uh, pop, but Carly Rae is a Canadian. Um, but it, it has <laughs> it has that um, 
it has something that really does still re- like all of what it's you got said. The yes, layers. but it, yeah, it's it got has, the layers it has something about the layers there that that still has that feel for me and still activates the same part of my brain. You're they're right. The lyrics are just not quite the same. They're not quite there. They're very much backgrounded and more vibey is a good way of putting it. But like, like there are moments in like you mentioned the song Wild Hearts Never Die, which might be my favorite off of this of this soundtrack. By the way, the soundtrack is on Spotify and Apple Music, and I've played this game twice. I've listened to the soundtrack three times already, um, and I'm continuing to listen to that on a loop. It's very good, but like the the certain parts of that song just jump out at me as like, oh yeah, that's a real good pop hit right there. That's yes. that's a real good pop moment. I got to agree with you about the soundtrack. It's a bop. Uh, I listened to it while shopping for uh, my groceries today, and I was, like, whistling down the aisles. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, So, obviously, the music is maybe the most important part of this game. Um, It's a hard game to describe, and, uh, like, I think we've been talking kind of in circles around it. I don't usually love to just read the marketing copy for a game on this show, but... The marketing copy when it's here so well written, we gotta so good, and the description here, I just love it so much. So I'm just going to read for you what Simogo says about their game: uh, a pop album video game, all caps, large text. Sayonara Wild Hearts is a dreamy arcade game about racing motorcycles, skateboarding, dance battling, shooting lasers, wielding swords, and breaking hearts at 200 miles per hour. As the heart of a young woman breaks. The balance of the universe is disturbed. A diamond butterfly appears in her dreams and leads her through a highway in the sky where she finds her other self, the masked biker called The Fool. Journey through a custom-written pop soundtrack, chase scores, and set out to find the harmony of the universe hidden away in the hearts of Little Death and her star-crossed allies, Dancing Devils, Howling Moons, Stereo Lovers, and Hermit 64. Let's pop. So that is exquisite marketing copy, but also I will pick apart that the plot doesn't super matter, but if you're into tarot, the major arcana play into it. Uh, There's kind of, when I looked at this originally, I thought they were going to be like Battle of the Band style, but it's a little bit more like Battle of the Maybe Demons, who knows? Um, I think it's really fun that they mention all these different types of characters and it's because they're radically changing styles throughout the game. Um, I, when you hear that there's dancing devils, howling moons, stereo lovers, hermit 64, they're characters and the designs are incredible, but also they match different mechanics. So you're kind of like going, falling through this world, but experiencing different characters with each kind of, um, you know, mini games, inside of them. It sounds a little trite to call them mini games. It's more seamless than that. But uh, when you hear Dancing Devils, Howling Moon, Stereo Lovers, those are all very different songs, very different feels, very different mechanics, very different designs. Uh, It's much more expansive than what you might think when you read that first paragraph. Yeah. 
And the character designs on all of those are just so good. Like Little Death is this like incredible character design. I think probably my favorite. I cannot wait for the cosplay. It's the easiest but coolest cosplay. Oh my God. I could cosplay this for $8 and look like a million bucks. Absolutely. The appeal of this game to me, so much of it rests on these character designs. And the fact that you're spending only just like maybe a couple of minutes with any of these characters before you kind of uh, break their heart and move on just leaves you wanting so much more out of this. Like I would play an entire uh, character action game, like a, like a 40 hour game with these kinds of characters and these style, this Mm -hmm. style. If, if you could, if you could create something like that, I would, I would eat that shit up. Uh, But the fact that you can, Really just, you know, only, you only get this tiny window into like what any what any of this stuff is. It's so dreamlike, but it's so defined, you mm-hmm. know? So something surprising to me when I started playing it, and I should have known better because I call it an album. Guess what? Albums have tracks. And the first time you play this, you cannot play that album straight through. You choose a track and then you fall into the level, and that's when you get those different modes. The song plays, and for the length of that song, whether it's a short minute or if it's a more lengthy number, you are going to uh, radically shift perspectives. You're going to change gameplay styles. There's a million things I'm trying very hard not to spoil. But for me, one example is you might be falling through um, a teleportation chamber and you're in this tunnel and then suddenly it opens up and then you're skateboarding and then suddenly you're sideways and you're dodging bullets. Um, There's just a ton of ideas. And the whole time there's only two controls. There's a single button and there's a joystick and once the song is over you are back at the album screen it's time for the next track so they're short experiences they're short songs um, once you beat the whole game you can play them continuously uh, but that's kind of we're going back and forth between talking about the songs and the levels because there are divisions that first time you play it but also the, there is a unity between song and level each each level is a song each song is a level um, and so it kind of keeps that album feeling throughout um, it does I, honestly I kind of am surprised they arranged it the way that they did I would have preferred that my first experience be that um, you know you unlock what it calls like album arcade mode at the end once you've completed the game which is basically no cuts you play straight through every song one after another after another with no like return to menu and i honestly would have preferred that be the default experience mm-hmm. um and have the like choose a level one at a time and back out to a menu and see your score uh, after each one be sort of or at the, least each arc yeah, yeah i feel yeah. like there's some very definitive arcs in here um every couple tracks you fall through uh heartbreak one heartbreak two heartbreak three heartbreak four they're all kind of visually the same um getting increasingly more complicated but they feel like they're sets. so like listen to these three songs and then maybe the first time through you play a set you take a break uh, it, it seems kind of a shame to separate those out i think there's reasons to kind of prefer the arcade experience but i definitely did not uh, when i say the arcade experience i mean like that straight through beginning to end of the levels right and most of this game is extremely arcadey the basic movement that you do and the action interspersed with little cutscenes with these uh characters all of that's very arcadey in terms of its structure uh but what i like about that initial playthrough is that it's telling you, look, you can come back and play these things again. Mm. And 
it's very appealing to want to do that. On my first playthrough, I had several of the of the levels that I just really liked the song, but I felt like I did badly on the level, right? And mm-hmm. so during my first playthrough, I was repeating several of the songs just because I wanted to see, uh, you know, I wonder what would happen if I didn't crash the motorcycle every three seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes if you die a so, lot, it does really mess and up And there are like mood. things that kind of tempt you into replaying this overall, and we'll get into that later, but, you know, there's some basic stuff like gathering these diamonds. It's pretty clear that you may you know, want to replay in order to gather the two or three diamonds that show up in each level. So, um, you know, that arcade structure is great, but I liked that they, that they leave it open to you to, to navigate around and replay. I'm much more likely now to be diving back in and playing the same level, like five or six times, mm-hmm. having played through it once. This, I'm, I've, I played through it. I don't know how many times each of you guys played the game. I played through it, uh, once pretty much straight through, but with certain songs, I went back, uh, and played them a couple of times because they were jams and I wanted to hear them again and see them again. And then I p- tried the album mode and tried going all the way through from there. And now I've gone back and tried to get gold on a few of my favorites that I didn't have gold on. So I feel like I've had that complete experience with the game. How, how much of the how much time did you guys spend with it? Like, what was your actual experience playing it? P- pretty much the same. I, I played through the entire f- uh, I played through the game um, in two sittings, uh, the first time through, and then I've gone back since and played through the entire game in the album mode. Um, so basically two full playthroughs. Um, and that's about it. I haven't, uh, I haven't gone back afterwards to try and hit any of the, uh, like trying to improve my scores or anything like that. Although I kind of plan to particularly on the songs I like best. Yeah, I played about halfway through and then uh, my husband started and I watched him play the half and I let him keep going and he finished the game. And then I went and played the whole thing through in arcade mode. It's really interesting because this is a unique rhythm game because it is a little passive. Um, In that, I mean, almost every rhythm game I've ever played, when you start messing up, the track starts breaking down. Like you lose parts or they do the opposite where like the better you are, the more like amped up the song gets. Like think about Guitar Hero, the the group starts cheering for you. Like it gets an extra layer of pizzazz to the, you know, piano. It's been a long time since I played Guitar Hero. But I think it's it was funny. It threw me at first because I wanted all of the extra points to line up with the music, like a tap tap revenge game. I wanted like the extra little chimes to be adding stuff. And the fact that I could collect stuff on the fly kind of um, really uh, made me feel like I wasn't part of the song as much. It's interesting because I partly felt that way because I watched for some of my first playthrough. We were trading off the controller. So I watched some levels, enjoyed them just as much was just as hype as when I was playing it. Um, so it's, to me, the only uh, times that, um, when I went back and played through an arcade mode, though, I felt that the more I knew the song, the more I had fun playing the level when it lined up. It did make a couple times, like, there's a part when you're, I will not spoil, but you're kind of jumping on a beast and I didn't agree with where the hits were and it bothers me every time I play that because where I want the beats to be don't line up and like I think it's it's funny that my enjoyment is tied to how much I like the music I played it twice because I kept playing the songs I liked um I also went back to play some zodiac riddles which we can talk about as well because there's extra like achievements for doing things if you can figure out what 
they want you to do. So could you explain the Zodiac riddles for us? I didn't get that aspect of the game really at all until like a few minutes before we were ready to record and I had to have someone explain it to me. Yeah, Yeah, so Zodiac riddles are, if you've played Your Walk, they will feel familiar because Smoke likes writing cryptic things that only they understand. And sometimes uh, they are part of the game and sometimes they're just little extras. Zodiac riddles, you can look at them. um, It's like a big wheel. Uh, with all of the signs of the zodiac on it and each it's like a record and each one has a little phrase they say and once you figure out what that means and you go do it um, it'll get replaced with like an achievement so it's they're cryptic achievements (laughs) which like great thanks great (laughs) right but like you also get to feel really smart when you do it and there's one that i am positive um, these haven't been spoiled on the internet yet, by the way. I tried to get a list because uh, for reference, and they're they're nowhere. But I will say that there's one that I am positive I have figured out, and I just cannot get the timing exactly right to prove that I am correct. And when I get that, I'm going to feel like I'm the smartest human being on the planet. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I like the idea that they have. You know, their their achievement system isn't just like play the game five more times and you get an achievement or something. You uh, you really do have to sort of puzzle out what the achievements are and then go execute on them. It's a clever idea. Um, and I probably will do some of that. But for me, mostly, I'm just I'm just interested in engaging with the music in a kind of a flow state kind of cool. Music yeah. Vibe. And I think it's they're optimizing for that flow state vibe because there's a reason, you know, they have spent a lot of time on this music and it is pure music. It's not as if they are buying a third party soundtrack and that if like, you know, you're playing Beatles rock band and you have a terrible drummer, like the idea is you probably know what the Beatles are supposed to sound like. We don't know what these songs sound like. So they've optimized for the purity of those tracks. So like you can't make it fall apart. Um, You can get a no rank and not even get on the podium and the song sounds perfectly beautiful. talk a little bit about just the visuals. I mean, we talked a little bit about how like the character design is very good, but that doesn't really fully express like how cool looking this game is. I think most of our listeners will probably have already seen a trailer, but the I want to talk about how good the color and uh, and just sort of general design is here, even if not just the characters, but just like every dripping frame of this game is this gorgeous, neon, bright, extremely cool looking uh, screen painting of just like absolute like wild color, but it's also very consistent throughout. Like it, it picks, it's picked a color scheme and it sticks to it. And it's really like fully trying to realize a particular aesthetic vibe. I mean, when he says neon, you're probably thinking neon on black. Nope. This is neon on neon pink. (laughs) Yeah. Like backgrounds are crazy in this game. Like you, you, yeah, sometimes there's like you know brightly colored things against a black backdrop with a very sort of like uh, outrun vaporwave kind of vibe. Um, but but that's the chill level. <laughs> yeah, but um, but like anytime there's like a, a, like a, a important moment, like an important moment means that a character who is riding a, a motorcycle will leap balletically off of that motorcycle, strike an extreme 
exquisite pose mid-air and the background fades into like bright red or something like that. Like th there's these, these pulls of color where like anytime there's something dramatic or interesting happening, um, it doesn't just like zoom in or something. It like keys it with like bright flashes of color. It's just extraordinarily lo cool looking. So what you're talking about there, Reagan, uh, that kind of moments of huge splashy color, um, I think you're really thinking of one of a very specific moment in this game. And it was to me, one of the most arresting parts of it. And that is the level that has you having a race against the dancing devils. Yes, honestly, yes. That's exactly the, the thing that I'm thinking of specifically. That's my favorite level. Those are my favorite character designs in the game. I'm really glad they're right up front in this. And part of what makes that huge splash of color really great is it's, it is this specifically this outrun kind of color scheme, which is the magenta with the uh, teal blue. You know, we're, you, you, it's the most common color scheme in video games these days. I, I, I love uh, my Hyperlight Drifter and all that, but you are starting to see this everywhere. Uh, but what this game does, I think it makes this really still feel fresh to me, is it's so far in the end of this just dripping red magenta color uh, that is used for so much. Like, you know, the those those splash screens where you're seeing the dancing devils uh, in these beautiful modern dance inspired poses hovering in the air effortlessly. While meanwhile, they are dressed we haven't even mentioned their outfits. Oh, I mean, they're so the good. pink ladies, but not pastel pink, like magenta pink. Like they've got yes. the like 50s bomber, like little bomber jacket yeah. look. It's 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 quite good. And they're all on motorcycles. But, you know, they're sure they have the raw power. These characters all uh, and yours too uh, have the power of this motorcycle as they're rocketing through this level. But if they want to drop that motorcycle, it just vanishes and they cartwheel elegantly um, with perfect form, like through the open doors of a subway car until they land back on the road perfectly, having summoned their motorcycle again. Like the, the, the visuals of that particular level are fucking insane and beautiful and phenomenal. And this kind of solid paint fill tool of magenta is over so much of it. And, it just made me think of this thing I, I read. I guess I had never really known this about the, about the color magenta recently, which is like some some people would say that magenta is not a color. And it's because, you know, even though this is like, you know, a, a key color in like ink and whatnot, you know, you've got the, the wavelengths of light on the one side, you've got red. On the other side, you've got violet. Uh, magenta is nowhere on that color wheel. Violet is way off on one end uh, of the color spectrum. Red is way off on the other. But what does the brain do when it detects wavelengths from both ends of the light spectrum at once? Generally speaking, it could sum them together, which, you know, wouldn't be really what we see. It invents a new color halfway between red and violet is what your brain does to see magenta, which is why it's such this, you know, strange color and you get this vibrant hot pink effect that's so hard to produce from any other color like it's such a unique color and this game is just like 
it's found the perfect version of that color and it's splashing it across this entire level that's already one of the most arresting things you've ever seen. I love it. It's CMYK, heavy on the M, light <laughs> on the Y and the K. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It doesn't always rely on that exact color scheme. Like you'll 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 see levels that lean more towards sort of like dusk-like purples with like vague vibes of like sunsets or I remember just being really impressed with how how much there's a, a one level with a with a, a stag running through a, a wood the woods and the stag is a sort of a white color and that that like white standing out was just like pop um there's so many times where this finds an excuse to like really just throw something that so vibrant onto the screen that just like screens at you with color it's just so cool i do have one bone to pick with you shane though uh clearly the best level is hearts and swords aka wild hearts never die yes yes it because is because you blow up and f- jump over bridges during the bridge of the song. <laughs> Good point. I, I won't say what actually happens in the level because it's a big spoiler and that mechanic is one of my favorites, but it's a beautiful melding. So honestly, they both look well, great. Okay, well, I, I, I have to answer for my favorite song because sure, you are you're smashing bridges during the bridge, but in Begin Again, you're doing essentially the same race. Again and again and again. Yeah, three, three times. times. So good. Against the three members of your rival gang as you break their hearts. So Begin Again has is, is got this. There are some moments of great uh, synergy between the the lyrics, kind of light as they are, and the, uh, the actual action. I hadn't caught the bridge thing. I love that. That's great. I, I, yeah, I misspoke and I said uh, Wild Hearts Never Die, but I meant the other one. <laughs> but it, it's like Wild Hearts. I'm trying to give me a second to look up the Spotify list. Sure. I think you're. Um, I think it is Wild Hearts Never Die. That's the finale. Oh. Huh? Yeah, that's the one. That, da, 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 da. It's called Mine. Yes. Oh, so, Mine. Okay. That song rules. That's the one. It's called Mine. I was wrong on the title, but it's called Mine, yeah. and it's still the oh, best song. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's hopefully of, playing right now. Sorry, everyone, yeah. I got the wrong list. All of these songs just absolutely rule. Um, I 
I have to say that, like, a good bit of the time when I was playing through this game, like, it's a one-button action to, like, quickly back out from the game to the title screen, and then one button very quickly to get back into the game. And in between levels, I found myself very frequently hitting that button to back out to the title screen, because the title screen song is a bop and a half. It is so good. telling that I can't remember my favorite song because the lyrics don't matter. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, the, the the lyrics to none of these are like particularly great, but like the, the oh God, they're just such good pop songs. Like they're, they're really, great really songs. good. Oh, and narrator Queen Latifah. <laughs> oh, oh right. Uh, I forgot to mention that at the top. Right, I meant to. Um, weird, right? The, uh, the game has very little spoken anything, um, but it does begin with some on-screen text and it's read by a narrator. And uh, I actually had this, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I, I found out about this before I played the game, that there was like a very late game edition, late development edition, where Annapurna somehow got in touch with Queen Latifah. They were like, Annapurna was like, oh, we should really have a, a, a narrator read these title cards that you guys have put at the beginning of the game, right? And they reached out to Queen Latifah and somehow made that work. And um, her voice is great for this sort of thing. Yeah, and I said, oh, because that's actually how the credits introduce it. It's like, oh, and Queen Latif is our narrator. Yeah. And it's just such a, <laughs> again, it's super confident. It feels like, hey, also, we got Queen Latifah. Yeah, man, <laughs> they got Queen Latifah. Like, what a weird, uh, like, thing, but it's it, it really works. She was great in it, or, you know, her what little she had to say, like, she is there to read the text at the beginning and end of the game, and also to be the person who says, gold rank, whenever you finish a level or whatever. You know, I loved that. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot else we need to talk about about this. I, I did have one thing that I wanted to talk about real quick because it was, I, I, once again, I'm gonna be reading something that the developers wrote, but on their, um, on their website, they have a, a dev blog that they post not nearly often enough to. Um, and uh, a while back when they first announced this game, uh, they described their influences. Uh, they said, Sayonara Wild Hearts, and this is basically just a list, but like I want to call it a few of the things on this list because they're so good, but this list is so cool. Uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts is a soup made of pop culture. It's Outrun, the Teddy Girls subculture, Carly Rae Jepsen, Rez, Cafe Racers, WarioWare, Blumchen, the 1950s, Modern Dance, Akira, F-Zero, Space Harrier, Sia, Gradius, the 1980s, Charlie XCX, Sailor Moon, Wendan, Tron, Rhythm Tengoku, Punch-Out, and a good portion of ourselves, strangeness, and mysticism stuffed into a blender. So like everything on that list is great. And there were a handful of things on it that I didn't know about, uh, which were exciting because I got to Google them and they were also great. Um, I uh, Every video game they mention on here is an arcade game, 
which I thought was cool. I mean, with the exception of F-Zero, but that is also basically an arcade game. Um, and, okay, sorry, right, also Uendan and Rhythm Tengoku are not arcade games, but they are um, rhythm games. But anyway, like, the games that they mention here, the, the references make absolute sense in terms of gameplay. Um, had you guys ever heard of the Teddy Girls subculture? Because it rules. Yeah, I had, I f- I had seen I a feel few like of these you should... photos before. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, uh, are, like, are, we, are we having Weeb Corner? Uh, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, we haven't popped Culture like, Corner because, like... like weeb corner. No, 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 no. Teddy Girls is not a Weeb thing at all. It's not Japanese in the slightest. Are you... you... No, it's a it's British from the 40s. Yeah! It's a bunch of, uh... Yeah, it's... it's The Teddy Girls were... It, Elizabeth, Edwardian, they were, like... Not Edwardian. It was the 40s, but the Teddy in Teddy Girls came from like Edward being a throwback. They were basically 40s, but they were trying to be throwbacks. Uh, but it was women wearing just traditional men's clothing, oh, including like these ladies. coats yeah, yeah. and things so like that. They're like, uh, yeah. they're super inspirational for lesbians. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I, yes. I knew them as Judy's. That's why I didn't know the name. Yeah, if you Google this, there's a really good article. It's the first Google result if you Google the phrase Teddy Girls. Um, and the first sentence of that, on reflection, the pairing of the aristocratic flamboyancy of an Edwardian gent with the rebellious attitude of American rock and roll shouldn't have worked, but it did. And like, holy crap, you look at the photo that they have as the like header image of this article describing this subculture. And it's like, oh, of course, this is exactly what they were going for. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, a young woman uh, standing in what looks like a, like a construction site. And she is wearing the best sort of dinner jacket with big uh, lapels and something pinned to the lapel, sort of languidly smoking a cigarette and looking at the camera with like a look that's halfway between boredom and disdain, but also real cool. And she's, you know, yep. ah, like just a, such a good look. And I'm like, okay, all of the characters in this have some echo of this vibe, this sort of like rock and roll finery. Uh, it's, it's rule, it rules, it's so good. Um, there's so many other little things in this list. The only other things in this list that I didn't know what they were, cafe racers are those sort of like miniature, uh, not miniature exactly, but like small but sporty uh, motorcycles. Um, and that the, there's this moment in, in uh, I think it's the level you were talking about, Shane, the, uh, the one with the dancing devils, where somebody like stands up on their motorcycle while pulling a back wheelie kind of thing and strikes a yes. pose. That's a cafe mm-hmm. racers thing. And uh, Blumchen, I also had to Google, and they are a German pop band that also just rules. If you look them up on YouTube, just like the songs are all good. Um, everything else about this list also good. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go through everything on it, but like, oh, this this is like this is like the dream list of influences of like visual Reagan, gameplay. Who is Carly Rae Jepsen? Oh, geez. <laughs> This ca- Reagan, this- who is Sia? <laughs> this is canceled. Um, Reagan, what's a Sailor Moon? <laughs> but like everything on this list, love it all. Such a good list. It reminds me, yeah. yeah I every time um, Guillermo del Toro lists everything he's ever listed as his favorite movies or influences, I, I'm making a list like this. So it, it's I, I love these when they come out. They're so weird and wonderful, um, and they're they're even better after you've played. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because there's there's things on this list where you know they, they list all these different games, and I'm like, oh, there's at least one level in this in this that matches up with each of those games. Like there is a moment in this where I was like, oh, no, here's the Gradius they were talking about. You know, um, so good. I, if I could say, like, I feel like there's a missing item on this list, at least for me, and maybe this is just Shane's weeb corner, but because the style of this 
is so heavily influenced. They list Sailor Moon as an influence, right? So it's magical girl influence. This this is a girl who's like finding an alternate version of herself that's empowered and goes on and to, dressed you know, super fight well, monsters, right? And yeah, and and it's also like aesthetically, all the pickups are hearts. It's dri- it's dripping with pink hearts. So, um, but it felt like Card Captor Sakura was missing off that list hmm. because it's also so heavily. Um, influenced by the major arcana of the of the Raider Waite Tarot, right? So, so like you've got when she pulls out her cafe racer motorcycle, she's not pulling out the cafe racer motorcycle. She's pulling out the card, the Fool, the character of the Fool, who's of course you know from the Tarot, is pulling out the Wheel of Fortune Tarot card, and it's becoming this motorcycle. Mm, yeah, and all of the enemies. And all of your allies, like the emperor, the the stag, are represented on uh, tarot cards, and basically are these tarot cards. So um, you're you're going from card to card and breaking hearts. Yeah. So you know that all to me felt like a card capture Sakura thing. Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, I can see that for sure. I don't know. Am I a weeb? Yes. Uh, no, no. I, I I just like to. You're never a weeb, only Reagan. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So Jewish. I Thanks. I will say that Smogo posted to their Instagram. They have made physical Major Arcana for this game. They are gorgeous. There's a picture of them on Instagram, and they have not said a damn word about how one might go about giving them our hard-earned money for such a beautiful object. It. They just put all the pictures <laughs> up, and we're like, in a couple weeks, our game. Look at look at this deck I have. It's very very mean of them. How dare they? <laughs> bastards don't make merch i can't buy <laughs> i would absolutely buy like a super good uh nice quality uh, tarot deck uh, based on the visuals of this like i mean things with like mysticism based on the tarot get right to my brain because like i'm a fan of the persona series right and that's like a persistent uh visual theme through all of the persona games is that there's you know that everything is sort of based on this uh this tarot deck iconography inflected with sort of like weirdness and um, like this sort of pop artistry like I I love that vibe so much and and it just really works here but it also doesn't like lean so hard on that sort of mysticism that this game becomes about that it's you know it doesn't stand on that it just it just sort of throws that in to give some visual flair uh, and maybe like a consistent kind of theming across the different uh you know, across the different interactions you have with these different characters. But I just, I love that so much. this game um i 100 recommend checking it out nintendo switch is a good platform for it you know if you've got a good setup for playing ios games the arcade option is definitely there if you uh, if you want to sign up for the free trial that's a that's awesome um it's also on playstation 4 where i'm sure it's also great i i am so glad to see this game finally come out like it's been a long wait since year walk um like four plus years since year walk i think right 
So um, great to see Samogo uh, putting something out again. It's such a departure from their previous stuff, but it's it works so well. Um, and I know this this soundtrack is going to be like top of my Spotify list for quite a while. So you know, highly highly recommended. So obviously, this game made me very very happy this week. But listeners of the show know we love to do a segment here at the end of the show called What's Making Us Happy This Week, where we talk about non-video game things, or maybe tangential video game things that are making us happy this week. Uh, so, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Um, you know, we're getting a little ahead on our uh, games on our schedule, which that is always something that makes me a little bit happy. Uh, and so I am going to take this as a bit of a preview. I won't talk much about uh, the game Untitled Goose Game. Um, which I am enjoying and loving and, and can't wait to talk about on the show. With came you guys, out one day about... after uh, this game, which like this has been the the games. weirdest week of like a f- absolute Too flood many. of games that would be perfect for this show. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Shane, go ahead. Well, in that flood, uh, that's pretty much all I'm doing is tr- trying out new sweet indie short games. Um, the thing that I want to, f- instead of spoiling anything about Goose Game, uh, is just I want to tell you the a moment in the very first bit of Goose Game uh, and how my kid reacted to it because he's starting, this was the first game that he really got excited to watch me play. Uh, And I guess it's just because the game is so simple and, you know, he likes geese already. Um, But there was this (laughs) moment where the goose found a uh, pacifier and picks it up and you can pick up things in the goose's mouth and he flipped out. He just loves it. He's like, <laughs> he spent, I had to spend like, like five minutes. He was yelling, make him a baby. Make him, make the goose a baby. <laughs> and he would pick up the pacifier and he would clap and clap and he loved it. And then I would drop the pacifier. He's like, ah, make him a baby again. <laughs> and he's been, he's been loving watching me play it, giving me like, telling me everything that goose should do (laughs) and his instructions are as good as the game oh man that's so good i love ty's side quests i want you to put them in the discord so that i can also go on them (laughs) absolutely okay you know i it hadn't occurred to me that untitled goose game would be a good game for kids but like it sounds perfect for kids if they can i don't know if kids will be able to like kids ty's age will be able to play it but at the very least he'll be able to engage with you through it and oh it just sounds so much fun i can't wait yeah and they're kind of morally bankrupt anyway so (laughs) (laughs) i mean geese and toddlers are basically the same thing absolutely same mental capacity (laughs) yep yep and same general like in in geese it seems clever and scheming (laughs) in humans it seems (laughs) what are you two they're they're both agents of chaos is the thing i think yes well um I'll, i'll go next uh I, my thing that's been making me happy this week is also tangentially video game related. Um, the uh, listeners to the show who've been listening for a while, maybe you caught our episode on arcade games on the Switch, have already heard me just express how much I really, really love the game City Connection. City Connection is a Jalico arcade game that came out in 1985, and um, it had a very good, uh, but uh, I don't know exactly how popular, but like decent um, NES port that's very good. So that was where I discovered the game was there was a there's a good NES port of the game. Uh, later, I tried out the arcade game, which is even better and has a nice port on the Switch. But I thought that this was just this sort of lost thing, right? Like this is a game that apparently less than a thousand arcade machines of it were ever produced according to um 
some websites that I read. <laughs> so who knows how true that is. But anyway, not a common game at all. Um, and uh, not one that really got a lot of, uh, you know, notice in the U.S. at the very least. Um, but Jalico is a sort of like, you know, third tier uh, company, but they're, they had some hits uh, other than City Connection. So the company is known in, in a sense. Um, but anyway, I thought that this game that I really, really love, what, a game that I'm like really nerdy about, was essentially forgotten to history. Um, but what's been very exciting and making me happy this week is that I found that that's not entirely true. Um, so I, I found out some of this like in little piecemeal pieces over the last several weeks. But first I discovered that there's a company in Japan called City Connection. I was like, that's weird. Um, I wonder if that's a, a coincidence. And then I found that their uh, their logo on their Twitter page, or sorry, their header image on their Twitter page is a screenshot of the video game City Connection. And I was like, oh, well, clearly that's not an accident then, right? Okay, that's neat. But like, how does that relate to the actual game City Connection? Do they have the rights or anything like that? Um, so the answer apparently is yes, they have the rights to the entire Jalico catalog and they've been doing stuff with it. But mostly it's, it's like because their website is entirely in Japanese and when they deal, when their games that they've worked on are released over here, they're not released under the name city connection. They're released under a few different names. It's been a little confusing. Um, so it took a while to kind of get to the bottom of what's going on here. So city connection, uh, first of all, it's very exciting to me to know that there is a company out there who owns the rights. It's not absolute abandonware. And apparently they care about it enough to name their company after the game, which is very exciting to me. And they've been doing a number of things over the last few years, mostly sort of work for higher ports. So for example, the uh, Psycho um, uh, collection of arcade shooters that got ported to the Switch, they did those. Um, and they've been doing a number of these. And in several places, they've found ways to work the character, uh, the lead character from the City Connection arcade game, Clarice, and her car into those games, and I never knew about it, which is very exciting. So, for example, That's wild. they did a, they did a port of there's a shooter game from Jalico. Apparently, they own the entire Jalico. They own the rights to the entire Jalico catalog now. They did uh, a port of a game called The Game Tengoku, which is a sort of uh, Jalico uh, shoot 'em up that is a mashup of other Jalico games. Um, which didn't previously include Clarice and her car. They did the PlayStation 4 port of it and added Clarice and her car as playable characters. I had no idea. Um, and that's coming out on Switch later this year too. I'm gonna pick that up for sure. Um, and I found out just recently that that like literally last week at uh, at TGS, the Tokyo Game Show, which is the uh, the biggest game convention slash, it's sort of like the um, E3 of Japan. Um, they did a presentation where they announced that they are doing uh, there's another very popular Jalico series called uh, 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 Ninja Jaja Marukun, um, which mostly didn't get released over here either. There were NES games, there was an arcade, few arcade games, and so on. They're doing a collection of the Ninja Jaja Marukun games, uh, which are these sort of like ninja themed platformers with a little ninja fighting against yokai. And I, I watched the presentation where they were announcing this, and in right in there there's Clarice's car rolling around shooting oil cans at the yokai. And I'm like, yes, it's so great to know that there is somebody, not <laughs> not just somebody out there who cares about this game that I deeply love, but that is like working little elements of it into everything that they do. They did a port of, there's this uh, Switch game. Uh, what was it called? Um, uh, oh, geez. It's a, it's, a, it's a conga line game. It's called like Conga Smash or something like that. I'll think of it in a moment. But anyway, it's a game where you, it's sort of like Snake, but with conga lines. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game by a, a Spanish studio. Uh, when they released it in Japan, 
the, apparently the American release does not include this, but in Japan, they changed the main character to Clarice from City Connection. Like, there, I had no idea because all this stuff is like behind the language barrier. So it's so exciting to me to know that this thing that I love is not entirely abandoned. And uh, into the episode here, I will drop very briefly. They also have a, a record label where they release mostly uh, arcade game soundtracks and remixes of arcade game soundtracks. They did a J-pop version of the song from City Connection. And I will drop it in here for a moment so that you can hear it. I just think that's wild. So this thing that I love is not dead. And that's what's making me happy this week. Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks because I was going through some rough family stuff. And thank you, everyone, for just being like, OK, go feel your feels, Laura. We are going to take care of it. So thank you to all my co-hosts, first of all. But um, in the meantime, so when you are feeling sad about something and you are a huge uh, media nerd, everything you watch kind of feels superficial. So I didn't want to watch something sad because I was already feeling sad, but I found out that uh, Steven Universe is fantastic for this. I rewatched it with my husband and also Carolyn Tuesday, which is a new Oh, you're watching uh, that too? Music I just started it. It's anime. so good. I haven't finished yeah, it yet. Yeah, these are both super pure. And I think that there people are feeling feelings and they uh, will express them and they share them with other people. So it was kind of like learning lessons from children's oriented TV was very uh, happy inducing. And it kind of encouraged me to like go out. So I visited some friends, we threw axes. I weirdly won ax throwing, oh, you... which was completely inexplicable because my friend Brian <laughs> was a savant. Um, he threw one handed, it, it was terrifying. Um, and apple picking. So I, I, I suggest that if you're also having a rough patch at some point, like, and you don't think anything is meaningful, like sometimes the cliche, uh, like Instagram-y things are actually really nice. They're wholesome and pure and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it is just what you need, even if it feels like it might be cheesy. I love that. Thank you, Laura. And yeah, I, I uh, as a very brief side note, like Carolyn Tuesday is on Netflix and uh, watch the dub. Uh, the dub uh, is great. And uh, like, I don't usually watch dubs when it comes to anime, but like the dub of Carolyn Tuesday is very, very good. It's a, it's a very sweet show with lots of good music. We're watching the sub. Don't judge. Oh, no, no. The sub is, <laughs> I mean, hey, that's that's what I always do. I just like literally put it on with the dub because I had heard the dub was pretty good and, and it is. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. It, it just, we figured for a music show, we wanted to try to hear, Weird understand question. the lyrics. Are they, um, are they doing the lyrics in English in the Japanese? Yes, the lyrics are in English. So. And sometimes they do not make sense. And it's very charming in like a Max uh, Martin way. I haven't really compared the two, but uh, like, yeah, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. The, um, and also notable because it's one of a really small handful of, uh, of anime that I've seen with a with the main character being a person of color and like done pretty mm -hmm. well. Um, like Japan, you know, ha has a ways to come sometimes. With Turns out if you thing. set it on Mars, like maybe you can get some diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
So thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. As we said at the top of the show, this show is supported by listeners like you and hopefully by you on Patreon. You can go to our website, www.theshortgame.net, and click Patreon at the top of the page, or you can go to patreon.com slash theshortgame. We appreciate anything that you're able to contribute. This is a small show, and every little bit helps, and we really appreciate every supporter and every listener. Um, Every supporter on Patreon uh, gets an invite to our Discord, where we talk about the games that we're playing, and we're definitely going to be talking about Sayonara Wild Hearts, so if you have something to say about it, join us there. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you have games that you are playing, now's a really great time for that, because hey, Apple Arcade... Uh, We just talked about this at the top of the show, just dumped a huge pile of games into our laps. So we started an Apple Arcade channel to sort of pick through that massive pile of games and try to find what might be appropriate for the show. And we'd love your help there. And we'd love to hear from you about anything that you're playing that you think might be right for the show. Um, So join us there on the Discord. Uh, $1 a month or more gets you in there. Um, $5 a month or more gets you into the shortlist. And the shortlist is our team of most valued uh, patrons who are helping us decide the path for the Patreon. A big part of that is that we're currently making plans for patron-only content. And so if you have uh, an interest in that, or if you are interested in uh, helping us set the course for that, we would love to have you there. You can also find our show on Twitter at underscore short game or on the web at www.theshortgame.net. You can also find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Laura, where can people find you? I'm finally back on Twitter, guys. Thank God. Thank, thank <laughs> the angry took, Twitter gods. Uh, t- there's three weeks to prove I wasn't a bot, but you can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. <laughs> thank you, Laura. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>